Forget about the joy of giving. Forget about Christmas cheer. You will find the meaning of Christmas right here. More stuff, more stuff. Everybody wants to get more stuff. Stuff in a stocking, stuff in a sack. You're killing the planet. You're killing my back. More stuff, more stuff. It's getting kind of hard to ignore stuff. We're running out of places to store stuff. You want more stuff? More stuff. <laughs> more stuff, more stuff. Why does everybody want more stuff? Santa won't be bringing you more stuff. You want more So this morning we are in the second of a message series called A Happy Crap-Filled Christmas. And I hope that title is not offensive to you, but in reality, we all have too much stuff. Um, will you clap if you have a storage unit beyond your house, like if you pay for a storage unit? I mean, we need one. We've got so much stuff and it's everywhere. And so in this message series, we're actually looking at, you know, what does God want for us at Christmas? And this morning, we're going to talk about scandalous love. We're going to be sharing a passage of scripture from Hosea, Hosea, and we're going to talk about Hosea and his wife, Gomer, who actually became a prostitute and what happened in that. So I asked Josh Doom if he would be a part of the opening of the message this morning. Josh is recently engaged, correct? Yes. All right. Very good. Have you guys set a date? Uh, not really. Not really? All right. Well, good. Well, I wanted to ask Josh about his wedding vows. And uh, I also had the privilege of celebrating the sacrament of the wedding with Emily and Robert. And their vows were very different than what I'm getting ready to ask Josh about. So, Josh, when you guys get married and you stand before the minister, they're going to ask you to repeat after them. So I'm going to give you a little sample of what the wedding vows will be, and I want you to share with us what your response would be, okay? All right, good. You'll say, I, Josh, take you, Haley, is that okay? Yeah. To be my wife, okay. to have and to hold mm -hmm. from this day forward, yeah. in sickness and in health, mm -hmm. for richer, for poorer, mm -hmm. for prostitution. Uh, wait, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. For prostitution and extramarital affairs. Uh, would you say yes? No. You would not? I would not. In the middle of it, if I'm standing up there with you guys and say, Josh, will you have Haley to be a prostitute and have an affair? That would be a problem. That would be a problem. All right. Thank you. Thank Josh for being a part of the message series. So in just a minute, I'm going to share a passage with you from Hosea. I doubt very seriously any of us would stand up at a wedding ceremony and say, yes, yes, spouse, or in my example, Scott, yes, Scott, it is perfectly fine for you to go have an affair. I'm going to go on and give you permission to do that. Or I can assure you, he would not say to me, Andrea, uh, yeah, go become a prostitute and have an extramarital affair. Um, that just isn't reality. This morning, we're going to talk about relationships. And I think sometimes at Christmas, we 
tend to think it's all wonderful and everybody has a holly jolly Christmas, but sometimes our Christmases actually end up sort of sort of crappy. It's a time of year when people suffer who are suffering from depression become even more depressed. It's the longest, the darkest day of the year falls in the Christmas season. And you know what? Lots of times we don't want to talk about that stuff, but it's real. People get down at Christmas, and, and our lives feel heavy, and, you know, a, a way that we can look at that is our lives actually feel like they're filled with crap. I want you to clap if you have ever gotten in an argument or discussion, as we like to call them in our households, we're having a discussion, perhaps a little heated discussion, with somebody over Christmas, over Christmas break when you're with your family. Have you ever, will you clap if you've ever gotten in a little argument or a tiff? I was a little panicked there for a minute. I never know how these questions are going to go. So you were just a tad delayed in clapping. I'm like, wow, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just our family. And and we argue at Christmas. We all have baggage and our families, those who love us and our close friends, those who love us, that's actually one of the places that we dump our baggage the most often. In fact, you know, those that we are closest to sometimes we are the hardest on because we assume that those relationships are actually a given. And so we can be all stressed out about work or about school or about other relationships. And, and we put on this you know, happy face and it's all good when we're dealing with those relationships. But then when we're actually confronted with the people that we love, we take all our junk and we take all of our crap and we dump it out on the people that we love the most. And actually, it has nothing to do with the difficult situations that we're facing. We all carry baggage and stuff. And that's what I want us to acknowledge before we look at the scripture passage this morning, that we all do, whether we like the word or not, we have crap-filled baggage that we need to get rid of at in this Christmas season. And so my hope is that after showing you this example in scripture and talking about what it means that at the end of the message today, you will walk away going, oh, okay, so that's that's how I can look at it. And I'll go on and warn you, the end of the message is, is not easy. It's actually pretty convicting if we're going to do things like God wants us to do, like God would have us to do, and like God does for us. So with that in mind, I want you to take a look at this passage of Scripture. We're going to leave it up on the screen actually for a little while. It's taken from Hosea. Hosea is one of the minor prophets. It's uh, after, if you look in your Bible, after Psalm and Proverbs, there's a a whole bunch of smaller books in the Bible after Isaiah. These are the 12 minor prophets. It's not that they were less important to the people of Israel and God's message. It's just that we have less information from them and about them. But today we're going to look at someone we've never talked about here at West. The name, his name is Hosea, and he is writing and saying, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. 
Now I want you to look at the beginning of this passage for just a second. The Lord said to Hosea, go show your love to your wife again. So we're going to leave this up here for just a second. And I want you to look at that, that comma that is after, go show your love to your wife again. He already loved her once, right? He stood before God in a, in a marriage ceremony and vowed to love her, just like Josh and I were just talking about, you know, in sickness and health, rich or poor, whatever the vows were back then. Hosea already agreed to love his wife. But then his, his wife got messed up. She started going down a different path. She became a prostitute and an adulteress. And so she actually was not with Hosea. She was being held captive and she was up for sale at this time when Hosea says this. And so God, can you imagine Hosea's like wrestling with what to do with God in his prayer life, much like you and I do when we have stuff that we're trying to deal with, you know, we're talking to God, we're, we're lamenting, we're sad, we're frustrated, we're angry. I can imagine that Hosea would have felt all those emotions, just like you and I would feel if we were in a very similar situation. So he's earnestly praying. He's like, God, what do you want me to do? I loved her once. She she loved me back. And then look what happened. She has hurt me. If you and I have ever been betrayed by someone we love, that pain is so big and so real. Hosea would have been feeling that pain and that agony. And so he's in this prayer time with God and look at what he hears from God. Go show your love to your wife again. And now the next part, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, though, that word is so important here because you see, she isn't repentant. Gomer has not come back to Hosea and like, you know, begged for his forgiveness. That has not happened yet in this picture and in this story. And that's, I think, what is so beautiful about the passage. You know, we think that our relationships need to be, you know, all good and all sanitized. But we recognize that sometimes things are going to go wrong, right? And we're going to have arguments and scuffles with one another. But, you know, when the other person, the one who's wrong, who is typically the other person, right? When they are wrong and they come back to us and they say that they're sorry then we change. That's not what God is telling Hosea to do. That's the convicting part. Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. There's no repentance on her part yet. There's no, I'm sorry. There's no, I'm going to change my ways. Hosea has no idea what the outcome is going to be. But the command that he heard from God is to go love her. Despite her flaws, despite her betrayal, despite her ick, despite the crap that she has dumped on him and his heart, God said, you go love her anyway. That's the transforming part. And then, here's the part that's beautiful for us. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods 
and love the sacred raisin cakes. I've got to confess, I have a hard time reading that last part without laughing. Love the sacred raisin cakes. Like I picture the little Debbies, you know, in the grocery store. Go love, I didn't know they had raisins back then, did you? I mean, love the sacred raisin cakes. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. And they love their stuff. That's the symbolism of the raisin cakes. It's not a literal, you know, little Debbie. They love their stuff. In this passage of scripture, Israelites, the Israelites, the people that were chosen by God, that's us. Flash forward several, several, several thousand years. That's who we are in this story. And God Hosea is representing God and God's love for us. I get you. It's probably the water I spilled during the baptism. God loves us so much that God pursues us despite all the junk and the stuff that we have in our lives that separates us from God. Why do we have so much stuff in our lives? Why do we have to get storage units? Why do we have attics that are full? Because we try to fill voids that are in our lives by things. We try to solve relationship issues by stuff. I mean, I'm Christmas shopping right now for my children and Scott. And even though, you know, they say, don't buy me anything, I want to. Because I want to show them how much I love them. But you know what? At the end of the day, stuff doesn't do that. Time and energy and presence and vulnerability and emotion shows that Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love their stuff. Love her anyway, because God loves us anyway. But we don't feel worthy of being loved. We don't feel worthy of that, so we just sort of push it off in a corner and we, we... candy coat it and we make it all pretty and you know sometimes we just go through the motions of life and we don't really live it because living it requires vulnerability and requires us to be in one-on-one relationships with each other where we might actually get hurt but God says do it anyway love them anyway no matter what they've got going on You know, this Christmas story that we have and the carols that we sing, the worship songs that we sing, the first Noel, Way in a Manger, Silent Night, you know, they make it sound all pretty and all nice and neat. You know, think about Silent Night. Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm and all is bright. 
When Scott and I were expecting Andrew, I have this tendency to have colossally large babies. Like when we went in, uh, my stomach always measured way more than I was. And uh, I had some kind of weird condition that we didn't diagnose till the second pregnancy. But I was like one of the biggest pregnant people ever. And I'm not being funny. I really wish I were. I was the choir director at a church in Morganton. And, you know, every Sunday, someone would inevitably come up to me and go, oh my gosh, you look like you're going to pop. And, you know, that was not a compliment, I thought. So finally, you know, he, Andrew was like two and a half weeks overdue. And they're like, we, we think we're, we need to go on and, and induce labor. So I went up to Watauga Regional and they started the drugs to induce labor. And I'm going to let you know, that was the longest 12 hours of my entire life. And because my best friend had just recently had her baby and did it all natural without any epidural or any pain meds. I thought that because she did it, I needed to do it too. I'm going to show you a picture uh, or a short video clip of what labor is like for a lot of women. Uh, there may be women out there that do not, you know, go through agony and it's all beautiful and they don't sweat. I, my friends and I, this is, this is what labor looks like. I want you to take a look. is not imaginary. I mean, that pain is real. In the middle of the labor, I decided that Scott needed to have had a haircut before I gave birth to Andrew. And so, you know, when you saw her reach over and say the expletive, you know, about not being able to get the epidural, that's what I did. I reached over, I grabbed Scott's shirt, like, why did you not get a haircut? I mean, that was absolutely the most insignificant thing of the moment, but I needed him to 
have a haircut for some reason for all the pictures that we were going to have after this experience was over. And you know what? After like 12 plus hours, uh, Andrew actually ended up going into distress. We had to do an emergency C-section. And now, you know, 20, 20 plus years later, he's, he's a fine, healthy, grown young man. But that was tough. You know, not all birth stories turn out beautiful, but the one that we have in scripture does. It's a miracle. It's a miracle story. And one thing that I want us to walk away with today is that some of the toughest miracles that we will ever live through in our lives bring about the most beautiful and wonderful results. The toughest miracles that we will ever live through in our lives bring about the most beautiful results. Great love and great suffering, both of those. Great love, which we all hope to experience, and I believe we have experienced on some level. Great love and great suffering are both natural pathways for us to experience the transformation that comes with the divine. Great love and great suffering provide pathways for us to experience the life transformation that happens with us with God. That's what happened with Hosea and his wife. He did as God told him to do and he went to look for her and he actually bought her back just like God said. That love that Hosea exhibited is the same pursuit and love that God exhibits for us no matter how much stuff we've got in the way. So this morning, what stuff do you need to give to God? Because that is the stuff that will bring about the transformation That's the stuff that if we give it up, we will find peace. And so the challenge this morning is twofold. What stuff do you have that you need to get rid of with God? Confess that, say that in your heart, in your head, journal it. However, you need to get it out. Find a friend that you trust and say, listen, I've got this stuff and it it weighs me down. This week, I had the opportunity to have lunch with a pastor friend of mine. He is a brilliant pastor at a, at a large church not too far from here. And he is, he is new there, and he has just really, really taken this church to a new level. I admire him every time I have the opportunity to have lunch or be in the Reynolds Academy with him. I learn so much by listening to him. And so I always think it's really cool when he writes me and says, hey, Andre, you want to have lunch? And I also do sort of wonder why in the world would he want to have lunch with me? You know, he's clearly very smart and intelligent. And I realized this week he needed a friend. We went to lunch and he was telling me about just stuff, normal church stuff, you know, finance and people. And he just said, I just feel like a failure. I'm like, how in the world? How in the world do you feel like a failure? That's insane to me. And he goes, I I just do. 
Every time one problem gets solved, there's another problem. And, and I feel like I'm just not inept. And, you know, staff, they don't get along all the time. And they're mad at each other. And then they're mad at me. And people are mad at me. And, you know, it's just always something. He said, I just feel like a failure. I said, you know what? Do you think you're called by God to do this? He said, well, well yeah. I said, then, then God, God's given you what you need to lead. You're a great leader. Look at all the stuff that you've solved. Look at, look at where you've come from and where you've led them in such a short amount of time. Do you not think God's going to use you to carry them forward? And he said, I just am scared that one day they're going to pull back the curtain, you know, like the Wizard of Oz and realize that I'm not all that. I said, well, we don't have to be because God is. That same love that God told Hosea to go pursue his wife with is the same love that God uses to pursue you and me. And then God calls us to use that love with one another. So whatever crap-filled family relationships we may have, we're called to let them go. This morning, will you let them go? Will you let your stuff go before God and then will you let your stuff go before one another? Let us pray. Gracious God, you do call us to bring our stuff to you because you love us with a scandalous love that never ends. We offer ourselves to you this morning and we, we give you our stuff. And then God, we ask that you help us go and love each other with a scandalous love and let that stuff go as well so that we may be filled with your love and your spirit this Christmas season. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We don't ask you to do things without giving you an opportunity to do them. Tomorrow, Leanne, who is our missions pastor and some other folks that volunteer with New Story United Methodist are going to be taking about 110 of these down. They are now worshiping at the North Carolina Children's Home where uh, orphans go and live. And so we have the opportunity to be a part of their Christmas. So for about 10 or 15 minutes, instead of going out there and going to lunch in the rain. I invite you to stay out there in the commons area. We have team captains and they are going to be leading two mini no huddle activities. The other is we are going to be uh, westing. That's what we call when we go to people's houses and drop off something anonymously. You don't have to knock on the door. We're not doing that today, but we're making the packages today. It advertises our Christmas service and we're giving away free batteries in the bottom of the bag because who doesn't need new batteries at Christmas? We invite you to grab one of these after you make it and take it to a friend. You can grab a couple and invite them to West to our special Christmas services. This year, we're doing something very unique. Our five o'clock Christmas Eve service is gonna be 5.30. It will be candlelight communion and Faith and St. Paul are gonna come and worship with us. I'll be preaching and I'm really excited for that opportunity for all three churches to show that uh, we don't have to be raised divided on Christmas Eve and we're worshiping here this year at Lake Norman High School so go make uh, about 500 packs of these 110 packs of these and have a Merry Christmas go in peace